and I want to thank you for being in Sunday school this morning, and it's always good to be in God's house. Uh, I put out, if you did not see them, I put out these little voter guides, uh, and again, we don't tell folks uh, who to vote for, but uh, this is put out by the Faith and Freedom Coalition. It's a Christian-based coalition. And of course, this is just uh, a flyer on the U.S. Senate race and the governor race, and I, I believe that early voting begins this week, I think. Uh, 22nd, yeah, so that's tomorrow. Yeah, so uh, the early voting begins. So look here, every Christian needs to vote. And what you do, what you, when it comes to voting, what you, look, vote on, what, on your beliefs, okay? Now, the, the hard thing is no candidate falls in line with everything and, uh, it, you know, I don't know if it's a lesser of two evils or whatever, but nonetheless, if we don't vote as Christians, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. So make sure that you do your civic duty and get out and vote. thought those might be a help and a blessing to you, as well as this morning, I know God's word will be a blessing to us, all right? So take a look here in John chapter 13, and I love this portion of scripture this morning as we continue our series on the education of a disciple. We're all d disciples of the Lord, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's read these verses beginning in verse number one of chapter 13. The Bible says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil have, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the, the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh, he, then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter say, by the way, you can just see this after they, they finish. And by the way, a lot of us have seen pictures of what they call the Last Supper, where they're sitting around this table and uh, all this type of stuff. The, the reality is the more I read, the more I study, uh, that's probably not a very accurate prediction because they probably were not sitting around a table they probably were on the floor, maybe they were around something. But the one thing is, after the, the meal ended, Jesus took a, a towel, he put it, girded himself with that towel, he took a basin of water, and, and one by one, okay, he went from one disciple. Now, what order he went in, I don't know. But the Bible says here, as you look back where we left off in verse 6, then cometh he to Simon Peter. Now, remember, that's this study is revolves around Peter, and so that's the focus here in this passage is that now Jesus maybe had washed one or two or three of the other disciples' feet, but he comes to Peter, and the Bible says that when he comes to Peter, Peter said unto him in verse 6, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Be careful about saying never. And he says, Jesus says to Peter, If I wash, wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, 
but also my hands and my head. In other words, give me a whole bath. You know, don't worry just about my feet. The Bible says in verse 10, Jesus said, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye, what? Do them. Now you look at this portion of scripture and I've called it a lesson on cleansing. You, the one thing that I, I want to start with this morning is this, that as you think about Jesus, and these disciples had been with him now for about three years, maybe a little bit longer. Jesus is getting close to going to Calvary, to giving his life so that we can have eternal life. But here's the thing is, even though they had been with him, it's oftentimes easy for us to take things for granted. And I want to remind you, and this is what he was trying to get across to them, that as God, that God is a holy God. We need to be mindful of that. And when we think about God being holy, our minds and our hearts need to catch a glimpse of God's purity. We need to acknowledge our sinfulness in light of who he is. In other words, when I look at and I think about who God is, and I can see that from the Word of God, and then I see myself, that's why I'm reminded of that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't measure up to God. Matter of fact, look what Isaiah said, and this is how he perceived. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord also sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. His train filled the temple Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings with twain. He covered his face with twain. He covered his feet with twain. He did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the doors, door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I think that all of us need to take some notice of what Isaiah said when he, when he saw the presence of God, when he realized how God was a holy God. He's a thrice holy God. Why would he mention it that way? Well, again, I think it goes back to the fact that we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know what he was saying? I'm a sinner. I don't deserve God's goodness and God's grace. 
And the same could be said about Peter, but the same could be said about every one of us. That we don't deserve how good God has been. But listen, here's the good part. That even in our sinfulness, God commands us to be like Him. Let me say that again. He commands us. He doesn't ask, request. He commands us to be like Him. Look what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1. But as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye what? Holy. That's a command in the Word of God. He's commanding us to be holy in all manner of conversation or our lifestyle because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. Look, Peter, just like us, in this passage in John 13, you know what Peter needed? Peter needed a spiritual cleansing in his life. You and I need the same thing in our lives. So I want you to notice three aspects that we see with this passage here in John 13. Notice, first of all, the ministration. The ministration. In other words, this is dealing with the care that the Lord has for Peter, the disciples, and all of us that are disciples of the Lord. The Lord begins this lesson demonstrating, first of all, his heart as a servant. Notice Christ's heart. The Bible again records that the, the, the Passover, they're there, and he knew, he knew that his hour was, was come. In other words, the time that he would give his life as a sacrifice. And the Bible says, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Jeremiah said this, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with what kind of love? Everlasting. everlasting. How long is everlasting? everlasting? It's forever. You know what that means? Is there ever a time that God does not love us? No. no. Now, there may be times where he's not pleased with us. You know, some of us that are parents, we understand this with our own children, right? Uh, there are children in just like we who are uh, children in the Lord, sometimes we do things that doesn't please the Father. But guess what? Even though my children don't always do that which pleases me, I still love them. God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love and with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Here's a thought this morning, this matter of love. Can I tell you that love is actually a verb? Love is a verb. When you think about it, it's far more than a feeling. See, we place so much on emotion in our lives, but you know what love really is? It's action. It's action. Uh, you think about, in the Bible, a great example of this. Remember, Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob said, I, 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 he went to her daddy, and he says, hey, look, I'd like to, uh, to marry Rachel. I'd like her to be my wife. And remember what her daddy said? Now, I told the story about my father-in-law. He made me wait three days. Anybody remember how long Jacob waited? Seven years. How about that, man? She must have been special, you know? <laughs> seven years. And you remember what happened after seven years? His, his father-in-law-to-be did a little switcheroo, and then he worked for her again for how many more years? So 14 years he waited for this girl. Now, again, you think about that, when I think about love there in the life of Jacob, it was, it was action. He says, look, I'm willing to work. I don't know if I'd have done that 14 years for my wife. I don't know if I'd have worked 14 years for her, you know? Yes, you 
maybe four, you know, maybe five, I don't know. But, but, you know, I think about what God did. The Bible says that God so loved that he did what? That he gave, right? God loved us that much that he gave. See, out of love, you find in the Bible that Jesus loved us. Listen, God loved us, he gave. Jesus loved us so much that he left heaven and he came to this world. The Bible teaches us that he humbled himself. He took upon himself the form of a what? Servant. Listen, the Bible says in the book of Philippians, he made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. We call that the incarnation of God. That Jesus was willing to robe himself. Look, I put on my suit this morning. Jesus put on flesh. He became a man without ceasing to be God. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus come to this world? Because of his heart. Because he loves us. Is this ringing a bell with anybody this morning? Aren't you glad God loves you that much? With an everlasting... Look, look, if you're a Christian this morning, don't ever let that thought, even if it never becomes words, don't ever let God catch you thinking, God doesn't love me. Because God loves you more than you'll ever know. He loves you with an everlasting love. And see, when I think about this ministration, this whole illustration in John 13, it deals with Christ's heart, but notice also his humility because he was willing to lay aside his garment. I mean, listen, he's the Lord. He's the Son of God. None of the other disciples said, hey, wait a minute, Lord, now that we're done eating this meal, uh, give me that towel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to wash everyone's feet. Peter didn't do that. John the Beloved didn't do that. We all know Judas didn't do it. But Jesus was the one that did it. And the humility that he had when he took that towel, listen, and he knelt. And he began to wash their feet. Now, I don't don't think I need to tell you, but back in that day, they didn't have paved roads. They didn't have nice shoes like we have now. Many people, if they had shoes, they were sandals. Open toe. I mean, honestly, most people's feet were filthy dirty. I know that like when uh, we, we were been over to Hawaii quite a few times, our daughter lived over there for a couple years. If you've ever been to Hawaii, a lot of times when you go into someone's home in Hawaii, you take your shoes off and leave them outside. You don't wear your shoes in the house. I've been to some people's houses, even here in the States, and that's, that's a practice. We had some friends that had a, had a closet uh, that, that normally, from the Midwest, it would be a closet right inside the front door where you would, it, was, it was a coat closet because you know, it, was, it, got, it really got what they call cold there, uh, unlike what most Floridians think. Uh, but here's the thing is that they, they would turn that closet into a, a shoe closet so when you came in you just put your shoes in that closet and and then you just walk around your sock feet you didn't come in with your shoes because you track things in well here they are they're in this upper room and jesus he he listen he takes them one by one and he begins to humbly wash their feet and the question this morning is if jesus was willing to do that shouldn't we be willing to do that Now, let me just pull over here because I'm not going to institute foot washing at our church. 
It's not, listen, it's not about the foot washing. It's about being a servant. See, there are some churches today, when I look at the Bible, the New Testament, and the church that we're a part of today, there are only two ordinances that the Lord gave to the church, baptism and the Lord's table. We recently had the Lord's table as a church family. We do it about six or so times a year. And the other thing is the baptism that we have. We have a baptistry here in our church. Some churches don't have a baptistry. They baptize maybe down at the river or out in the ocean, whatever it may be. But you got to have water, and it has to be enough water to go under and come up out of, as the scriptures teach. But there are some churches who say, well, we also practice foot washing. Well, you can do that as an illustration of being a servant, but the reality is it's not an ordinance because baptism and the Lord's Supper picture the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Foot washing doesn't picture that. Foot washing is a picture of humility. It's a picture that Jesus was willing to serve. Now, now look, Jesus was about to go to Calvary. Why would he take time to do this before he went to the cross? Because those men that he just washed their feet, they were going to become the leaders of the early church. And you remember, Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. I hope you're listening this morning. We're not here for people to wait on us. We're here to wait on people. We're here to serve others. What I'm talking about this morning is not just for the pastor and not just for the deacons. The word diakonos means a server of tables. It's actually for every Christian, a disciple of the Lord, is to serve others, and that's exactly what Jesus did. Uh, again, uh, look what it says here in Mark chapter number 10 and verse 43. It's, it, so, shall it be, uh, so shall it not be among you, but whosoever sh will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest of you shall be the servant of all. Boy, you know what that sounds like? It sounds like God's way up is down. I mean, the, you know what the world wants? They want, they want to go up, climb the corporate ladder. You know, they want to be chief. You know, what did the Pharisees, they desired to have the chief seats so that everybody would look up to them. You know what Jesus said? I want you to learn how to serve other people. I want you to learn how to humble yourselves. Now, you know what? That works against every fiber of our being because we don't like to serve people. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus came to humble himself, and God says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, listen to this part, that he, God, may exalt you in due time. It sounds to me like humility always comes before promotion. That's what God did in Joseph's life. Joseph ended up in the pit, he ended up in prison, and then where did he end up? He was second in command, was he not? And God says, listen, if you want up in this world, by the way, I'm not interested in being, I wouldn't even be pastoring today if it wasn't for the Lord. But I'll tell you this, I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to serve. And by, by serving the Lord, you know what that means? Serving others. And so I find here the ministration, the care that he had, the heart of the Lord and humility. But notice, secondly, that there was a misunderstanding because Peter, like so many other times we see, he thinks uh, but he speaks before he actually uh, thinks. Words just flow out of his mouth 
And Peter actually said something here that contradicted the Lord. Look at, first of all, I see this, and I hope you don't mind me using the word, Peter's iffiness. You know what it means when somebody is iffy? You know, there's, there's some doubt there, there's some question there, uh, there's some skepticism. Uh, listen, maybe we ought to just put ourselves in Peter's place sometimes. Because we might be thinking the same thing. I just can't believe that Jesus, the Son of God, the one that has restored the eyesight, that, that's made the lame to walk, that fed the multitudes of people, that, that calmed the sea, all these miracles. That he, why, would, why would Jesus, the Son of God, why would he do this? And Peter had some skepticism there, and he thought, why would he take on this role of a servant? When people came into people's houses, it was customary in this day that someone who probably was the owner or maybe had a servant, that they would actually wash the feet of the people that came into their house before they actually got into the main part of the house. And Peter's thinking, why would this happen? And, and it, again, I'm reminded of this, that uh, it may not make sense to us a lot of times, but we need to try to see things the way God sees them. Look, look what Isaiah said again. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I mean, we might remember what Jesus said. He says, you may not understand it now, what I'm doing to you now. But he says, there will come a time hereafter that you will understand it. And we're living on the other side of that. We do understand what he was teaching here. And, 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 and again, God sees so much more than we do, but a lot of times, you know what we are? We're skeptical. You know, we really don't either see it the way God sees it, we don't believe it. And so Peter's iffiness, notice also Peter's insolence. Because in verse number eight, look what he says again in verse number eight. Thou shalt never wash my feet. Now, you see some arrogance there with Peter, and, and really almost a sense of him being rude because he actually refuses. He's like, Lord, you are not going to wash my feet. There's just no way. That's not going to happen. Now, why, did, why would he try to avoid what the Lord wanted to do for him? Look, this morning in your life, not only in this hour, but in the, in the service to come after this, and maybe if you return tonight, if God is trying to do something in your life, something for you, would you refuse that? I mean, that's why we give an invitation. Because as the Lord speaks to our hearts, what we, look, we have a choice. We're, we either choose to, to accept what the Lord's trying to do, or we can do like Peter and say, Lord, that's just not going to happen. I'm not going to give in to that. And you can see Peter's reaction here. I mean, we tell the Lord, I think so many times, when, when God's word goes forth and the Holy Spirit of God is dealing with us, listen, again, when you don't move towards God, you know what you're really saying to the Lord? No. And we do that many times in our lives. Look what Jeremiah said in his day, because they have not hearkened to my words, saith the Lord, which I sent unto them by my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, but ye would not hear, saith the Lord. Look, when, when the Lord is dealing with us, when God is speaking to us, or in this instance, when Jesus was just trying to illustrate something to them, when we don't accept what he has for us, you know what we're turning down? God's best for us. 
Because that's all that God wants for every one of us this morning, is that we would have the best that God has for us. Uh, you know, here's, here's an interesting thought I had. We go to the doctor, and a lot of times the doctor will say, you know, you have this, you need this, you need this kind of medicine. And we go to the doctor and we'll follow the doctor's advice. We'll do everything the doctor tells us, we'll take the medicine, but then when the Lord deals with us about something, instead of following the Lord's advice, we push him away. Folks, it, that ought not to be in our lives. Whatever the Lord's trying to do in our lives, we need to make sure that we're not saying no to him because there's a price tag when we say no to the Lord. And so Peter speaks up with maybe some arrogance, but then notice Peter's impulsiveness because in verse number nine, the Bible says that Simon said, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but he is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all, for he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So here's what we find is from Jesus' response, we find that Peter knew, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said... <laughs> what I said. Maybe I shouldn't have said never to the Lord. Maybe I shouldn't have said no. And Peter's, he's realizing this. So what Peter then tries to do is he tries to say, well, look, don't just wash my feet. He's basically trying to make it good. You ever done that in your life where you said something and then you're trying to cover it up? You're trying to get back in, you know, with the person that you've offended. And that's exactly what he's doing. See, the problem with Peter is Peter was all either all this way or all this way. There was never an in-between with him. <laughs> That's just the way he lived his life. Kind of like Proverbs 29, verse 11, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it until afterwards. I mean, Peter just opened, it out, opened his mouth and just let it fly. You know, he, he never really thought about it. James tells us, listen, my dearly beloved, uh, uh, beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear slow to speak. God says, and slow to wrath. I mean, Peter thought about this, okay? He wants to wash my feet, and he thought, well, washing his feet was wrong, but now he thought, well, okay, washing my feet is not enough. I mean, I need a whole bath. You know, I want the Lord to do my head and my, and my hands and every part of me. But what Jesus was teaching, and we've got to get this this morning, is it wasn't about the dirt on the outside of their bodies. I mean, all of us, I mean, I got up this morning, I took a shower. You know, I needed it. Part of the reason I take them is because I'm dirty. The other part is because it wakes me up. But, you know, when, when I work in the yard, when I go outside, when, when we sweat, we have, we have dirt on our bodies, and we can physically, we can clean ourselves up, but what Jesus is talking here about is he's talking about an inner cleansing. See, only God can clean a person from the inside out. And that's what he's talking here about. According to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration. That's talking about salvation. The Lord changing a person's life and it, look, it's the only uh, thought that, that, that we had this morning. It's, it's a one-time thing that a person is saved, that they're cleansed. But, but listen, once we are saved, there is a cleansing 
that needs to take place on a continual basis because look, you, you're only regenerated, justified one time in your life. I hope you've had a day when you've asked the Lord to be your Savior. But every day of our lives, there is this matter of a continual cleansing in our lives. Why do we need that? Because every day we live in this world. And every day the grime of this world and the, the things that we're around, they begin to accumulate on our bodies. By the way, they enter into our thoughts and into our hearts. And as a result of that, there needs to be. Now remember, if we're saved, he's promised to give us everlasting life. So we're not unsaved because maybe some filth has come into our minds and our hearts. But again, in the child of God, remember God says, I'm holy, therefore be ye holy. Are you guys with me this morning? So as a result of that, because things have entered in, now we need to be cleansed. Now remember what Jesus said. He says, not all of you that are here are clean. Anybody know who he was talking about that wasn't clean? Judas, Judas right? But guess what? Was Peter, James, John, Thomas, Martha, were all those men, were they 100% pure? No, because they were sinners saved by grace, right? But there was something that, that Satan had put in the heart of Judas. But guess what? Every one of them, Peter and all of us today, I mean, you might have come to church in a nice dress or a nice suit. You know, you might have a, a King James Bible under your arm this morning. But the reality is, is that things enter into our thoughts and into our hearts. And we, we are not going to be used by God to serve Him and to serve others if there's, if there's sin that's in our lives. And we need this, this, this cleansing. Well, how do we cleanse ourselves? I mean, is there some type of spiritual soap that we can ingest to, to clean us up from the inside out? No. The Bible teaches us the way to cleanse ourselves inwardly is through confession. Confession. Now, look what the Bible says here in 1 John 1.8. I, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us of our sins and to do what? Cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All. Now, do you notice there the emphasis was we have, to, we have to come to God. We have to confess to God. You know what the word confess means? It means to agree with God about your sin. Now remember, he's God. He already knows what your sin is before you ever go to him. But aren't you glad that when you come to him to confess to him, even though he knows that we are like Isaiah said, we are undone, we have unclean lips, that he receives our confession. And listen, he forgives us, as we just read there, he forgives us our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Are you starting to see that this was, uh, John 13 was way more than just washing some people's feet? It was about, listen, you need to be a holy people. If the work that I began, which my father gave to me, if the work that I began is going to be placed in your hands, then it needs to be the right kind of work. It needs to be, by the way, we're his ambassadors, are we not? So we need to make sure that we are doing things just like Jesus would do things. And remember, there was no sin in him. 
Jesus lived his life, and we realize that we are, we are flesh, and so we're prone to sin. But listen, when we do sin, 1 John 1, 9 is not a get-out-of-jail-free card, but if there is sin in our lives, if something comes in, then we can confess it, all right? So look, there was this whole idea of the misunderstanding. Peter, Peter and his impulsiveness, I mean, Peter was just trying to make things right, but then I want you to notice lastly this morning the motivation. The motivation, because the lesson here is that we need to be like Jesus. We need to be just like the Lord. Well, what was, what was, the, what was the Lord like? He had a heart to serve others. He pushed away from the table. And again, that goes against our own desires. But the characteristics, if you read the Bible, and a lot of people will vary on this, and I, honestly, I think no one knows the day nor the hour. But the Bible does tell us that the spirit of the last days is that men shall be lovers of themselves. Everybody's in love with themselves. But if we seek the things of God, the things that matter to the Lord, then guess what? We're going to be more like the Lord Jesus. So in our days that we have, what do we need to do? Notice, first of all, that Christ needs to be exalted. We notice Christ's exaltation here in verse number 12. So after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? Now he just asked them the question, Do you understand everything? And you know, there were other times where he asked his disciples, Do you understand what I've just said, what I've just done? And remember how the disciples would always answer him? Yay, Lord. We got it. You know, and about that time, I wish Jesus would just pull out a test and say, take out your pen and take this test. I want to see if you're really getting this. And I'm glad you're here in Sunday school this morning, but I'm wondering if you're understanding what this is really all about. And I hope that God, by his Holy Spirit, is bringing it all together for you. Because look at verse number 13. He says, ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. See, this is, this is beyond foot washing. He says, I'm commending you because you're acknowledging that I'm your master and that I'm the Lord of your life. But listen, that is true. He is both of those. John said, the Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. But the key to the Christian life, the key to the Christian life is it's more about him and less about us. Why do you... Why do you serve? Why do you serve here in this church? Why do you serve other people? Because it's all about exalting the Lord. You know, when people see you, you know, can you imagine if, and don't, you know, I mean, it's up to you if you want to do it, but if you went to work tomorrow and you got you a, a bowl, a big bowl and some water and went around and said, hey, can, can you take your shoes off? What do you want me to take? I just want to wash your feet. You want to what? Now, we wouldn't do that. But you do know that if you tried to do that, that the people at your workplace would think either A, you're crazy, or B, what's going on with him? Because you're humbling yourself. You know who you're being like? Jesus. You're taking upon yourself the form of a servant. John the Baptist said these words, he must increase, I must decrease. John had it right. 
<clears throat> John says, look, don't look at me. I mean, I know that people have been coming out to see me. But he says, behold, the Lamb of God. Look, look to him. You know, don't, don't look to me. John was basically saying, I have nothing to offer you. But he does. I see Christ's exaltation, but notice I also see his example. Look at these last couple of verses again. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, now, look at me for a second. You've been sitting in Sunday school for about 30, 40 minutes now. Even if you didn't know this passage, you can no longer claim ignorance. Because to claim ignorance means you have no knowledge of something. But now, you do know about it. To ignore it now is not ignorance, it's stupidity. But if you do it, the Bible says you're going to be what? Happy. The only way to be happy in Jesus is to do what he asked you to do. Well, he says, hey, look, I've served you. And now guess what I want you to do? I want you to go serve others. See, I see the example here that he taught. Look at these three great lessons that he taught. One, that we need to serve others. Two, we need to follow his example there's a song we sing a lot of times, follow, follow Jesus, follow him anywhere and everywhere. That means following his example. Peter says, hereunto are you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. You know what that means is tomorrow in your your workplace or when you're in your automobile driving around town and somebody cuts you off or somebody does something and you get offended, instead of reviling back, you need to follow his steps and not get angry with people. That's exactly what he's saying here is we need to follow his example. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 two, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Look, Jesus taught some great lessons here. We need to learn to serve others. We need to follow his example. And the third one I mentioned just a minute ago is we will be happy if we do the things that we know that we're supposed to do. Happy, happiness is something that comes from finding God's will and doing God's will. Remember what James said? Don't just be hearers of a word, but be what? Doers. Doers. See, the only way you're going to be happy is to do what he's asked us to do. And he wants us to understand, look, we do need, all of us, if we haven't been saved, we need to be spiritually cleansed from our sins. But then once we are saved, there needs to be the daily cleansing in our lives. If there's something in your life, ask the Lord, God, forgive me of that sin. And the Bible says if we come to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. We can't clean ourselves, but he can clean us. And again, it's this daily walk that he's, he's talking to them about. And God is showing us today that as we are cleansed, I just mentioned to one of the men this morning, when, when God cleanses us from the inside out, guess what we want to do? We have a desire to do whatever he asks us to do. 
You remember when Jesus was dealing with one of the individuals in the Bible and the person had leprosy and he asked the Lord to heal him. And Jesus said these words. He says, I will be thou clean. In other words, the Lord worked in his life and God says to us, I am holy. Therefore, be ye what? Holy. See, there's a need for us to have a cleansing in our lives. Not just at salvation, but every day of our lives. Why? Because he's a holy God. And we are his people. And we should reflect our God to this world that we live in. How many of you, don't just raise your hand, how many of you, because of what the Lord has instructed in his word, how many of you are willing to serve God? How many of you are willing to serve others because of what God's done? That ought to be our hearts. And that comes from that inner working of God in our lives. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for those that have come for Sunday school for this tremendous teaching in John 13. Lord, help us to receive the instruction from the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to go and serve others as we serve you. Thank you for the wonderful lesson this morning. Lord, may we not be hard on Peter, realizing that we would have probably said and felt the same way. But Lord, I'm thankful for how you have spoken to my heart, and I pray to many others this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.